Good morning and welcome to Gamer Radio. As always, this is Mike from the Mad Botter, and with me I have Steve from the Ask Noah Show. Steve, how are you? Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm I'm happy to be here. I, I'm a big fan of all your shows. I've been listening. Uh, I listen to every one of them that comes across my podcast catcher. That that's awesome. Yeah, I uh, you know so for folks who don't know, Ask Noah is also on Jupiter Broadcasting Coda Radio. It is a, a great source for basically what would you call it it support is that fair or yeah the tagline yeah. is that um we do all the things on linux said couldn't be done and we take your questions on how you can do the same yeah definitely uh definitely a good source for for uh your linux questions needs which i'm assuming sometimes involves things like raspberry pis hey gaming quite often yes quite often yeah <laughs> All right. So as always, we're going to start. What are you playing this week, Steve? So I'm playing uh, three different games, depending on what my mood is. Um, I really enjoy Middle Earth Shadow of War. Nice. I think I've sunk, oh yeah, 60 or something hours into this game, and I'm only halfway through because I just, for the people who haven't played this game, it's it's essentially, it's set in Middle Earth, and you're not playing one of the normal characters in Lord of the Rings. But it's an open world RPG action thing that you just basically can, if you feel like it, just run around and kill orcs and level up. Uh, you don't really have to follow the storyline if you don't want to. So I just, I use this as my button masher, just run around and kill things that controller support is great. Um, so it's a good stress relief for me. I just go around killing things. <laughs> nice. I'm actually one of my games this week is, uh, I believe, the previous game in the series, The Shadow of Mordor. Yes. So. Yep, yeah, I'm playing that. Uh, what pla- I'm playing that on a Steam Deck. What platform are you playing Shadow of War on? I bounce between my desktop and my Steam Deck as well. Um, nice. I prefer my I prefer my um, my computer because I actually really love the Steam controller for this, as opposed to the way that it plays on the Steam Deck with its controls, which may okay. sound a little weird. But the the Steam controller is a little bit different than the than the Steam Deck. It is. I uh, I keep debating whether I want to flip mine into Nintendo mode because I'm constantly hitting the B button, which is, you know, cancel. Uh, I have too much switch training, I think. Yeah. Yep. I can understand that. Uh, the other couple of games that I play, um, I'm bouncing between the uh, Mario, so Super, Super Mario World, the one that just came after Mario Brothers 3. And nice. A game that I uncovered called Cave. Um, I stumbled across this one on accident, and I really love it. It's a it's a side scroller that doesn't take itself too seriously. It's about it's about a caveman who finds a jetpack from a crashed alien uh, on his planet, and basically his weird and wacky adventures to get from point A to point B with this jetpack. What what platform is that on? That's on Steam. So I've been playing that on my Steam okay. Deck. That that's it's just a great like I have, you know, each each level takes you somewhere between 10 minutes or less to play and you can take it as fast or as slow as you want and uh it's just it's real easy for me to pick up and put down. I love it. Nice. Is that like a 2D platformer or Yeah, it's a well, it it attempts to be 3D, but it's it's a it's a basic side scroller, right? So it the art style is really good. I really appreciate the art, and the cutscenes are definitely in 3D. But the actual play is just you know you move from left to right, just like you have in any of those uh, classic games. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, the other game I'm playing this week is I've picked up uh, uh, Marvel Midnight Suns again. I, I think I'm towards the end, so hopefully we'll finish that up. Still good. 
still very uh, very fan servicey. I didn't realize I just unlocked more characters, including Wolverine, and uh, I understand that there's DLC coming out. I think I'm probably going to skip the DLC. What uh, platform is that on? Uh, it's on everything. It's on Steam, uh, Xbox. I'm playing it on the PS5, but it's yeah, it's one of these. I forgot who makes it. It's um. Oh, uh, is it Aspire? It's the folks who make XCOM. Ah, okay. Yeah. And obviously they've got that sweet, sweet Marvel license. So <laughs> that's good. Good stuff. So speaking of superheroes, we both have kids. I'm sure they love them. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> and you had you prepared. I, I got to say, I've been doing podcasts for 13 years now. I have never seen such a thorough doc in my life. Well, you know, um, when you do live radio like we do with Noah every week, um, you try to be as prepared as possible, and then you just kind of skip over stuff if you don't need it. So that's kind of, I learned from Noah. That's amazing. This is, folks, this is quality stuff. I'm super impressed. And we're going to talk today about some educational uh, game resources for kids. So I have not heard of this first one. Can you tell me about Dragon's Apprentice? So Dragon's Apprentice is something that, we honestly, we kind of stumbled upon. I'd done several talks um, at, say, um, Southeast Linux Fest and Ohio Linux Fest and mm. Texas Linux Fest about like kids and open source and games and stuff like that, resources. So I'd done a bunch of research into this and never come across this game. And then uh, one day we were preparing for a trip and I was investigating something called Endless, Endless OS and they had it sure. pre installed. And so I kind of opened it up and I was really, really impressed. So the premise of Dragon's Apprentice is that essentially you are a learning mage, like you're learning to be a mage, hence the apprentice. Oh. Um, and it's a traditional RPG insofar as, you know, it's it's an open world. The, the How would you describe the graphics on that? What does it kind of remind you of? Um, You know, I would almost say it's a kind of like an orc reign of time meets wind waker sort of situation it's yeah i was kind of thinking it reminds me of uh, world of warcraft circa like 2009 somewhere in that kind yeah. of vicinity actually you know what it, i don't know if you're familiar with the indie uh hack and slash game trine oh yes yep we've played that, all of yeah. them yeah, yeah it looks like trine 2 or trine 3 for sure yep it's it's really beautiful it's colorful um, and essentially, it's got all your elements, like you're a mage, you cast fireballs, and you've got a, a staff that you can hit things with, and you've got stamina and health and all the rest of that sort of stuff. But what really makes this game interesting is that uh, even though it's it's single player, I've, I've watched as the kids and their friends kind of gather around this and try to solve this game together. So when you hit a hurdle, you basically have to go into what they call hacking mode. And essentially what it is, is it's a, a way to interact with objects and try to describe what you're trying to get done. For example, um, in one section, you get to a part where you need something across the way, but there's lava in the way. And on the other side, there's a golem. On your side, there's like a uh, like a golem control center. And so you have to try and figure out, how do I tell the golem to get the thing and bring it back over the lava? Um, and it's like, move north or move south or jump or those sorts of commands, and then a num- like a number after it. So like move north five paces or something like that. And as you go through the game, 
it gets more complex so that the, the challenge for controlling things kind of ramps up. But it's a lot of fun because if, if you get really stressed out because you can't figure out a puzzle, you just run around and kill some demons or smash some stuff and find some health potions or talk to some of the NPCs. Because it is a traditional RPG. You can just walk up and talk to any of the characters in the game. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of good fun. Um, I've, I've personally found this appropriate for my six-year-old as well as my 10-year-old. Okay. Um, because, because of the cartoony style, the devils aren't like the little demons and the bad guys are not particularly scary, but I would got it. mean like the, the, at least at the start, the main bad guys are these little devil creatures. So if you're not comfortable with that, that's just kind of a, you know, put that out there. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm just backtracking. So you're playing this on uh, NextOS, which is uh, a Linux distro, right? We talked a lot about Linux last week's folks. So you're going to hear a lot about Linux here. There's a yeah. lot of good gaming stuff going on Linux. In fact, I, I think I mentioned it last week, but any of y'all with a Steam Deck, you're actually playing on, uh, on I was corrected last week, it's not Debian, it's Arch Linux, uh, or some fork of it, right? Yeah, it's it's Arch Linux that just has the packages curated. So like instead of right. having them roll out to you, they basically take a snapshot and say, like I don't know, on September 20th, we're going to take all the packages, and then that's what we're going to make people have access to. Um, yeah, so this will play on the Steam Deck. It's released in multiple fashions. You can find it on on FlatHub. So most of the educational games that, that we're going to talk about are available on FlatHub. So that's a that's kind of like a store for people that are are uninitiated. Linux has a few different kind of software stores, and FlatHub is one of them. And so in my house, we actually don't run any Windows anywhere. So uh, really, okay, yeah. yep. Um, I've been working for Red Hat for seven years. And before that, um, basically I've convinced every other boss before that to allow me to run win like Linux in a Windows world as long as I supported it. So I figure I make my living off of open source. I should, you know, kind of support the open source here. Right. And, but other than uh, Linux and Windows, this runs on Mac and any other consoles as well? It's So it's open source and I imagine you can build it in that way, but because it was available on FlatHub, I haven't actually looked at how you might install it on other um, other operating systems. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. So, all right. So you're so in the beginning, it's basically your normal action adventure. Think very very kiddie, trying Diablo style thing, right? But I'm going down, and there's this one screenshot you put in here where it looks like you are moving some blocks around. And I, I guess you're trying to get into this uh, mausoleum-like thing. I don't know what you'd call that. Yeah, it's a mausoleum. Yep, that's okay. exactly it. There's there's uh, an obstacle in your way. And so it switches when you move into hacking mode. It switches from that 3D kind of RPG-style third-person view to an overhead view depending of course on the obstacle that you're trying to um, you're trying to overcome and so what you're seeing in the screenshot here so for the audience essentially what it is is the mausoleum has a uh, like a courtyard and then the entrance to the mausoleum is blocked by a giant uh, boulder and so you enter hack mode to tell your character how you want to move the the boulder around so that you can get into the mausoleum Interesting. Okay. And what, what skills would you say this game teaches for the youngins? So I think there's a couple things. 
uh, it really works on your logic. So for example, um, directly after this screenshot, you enter into a room where you have to move a boulder out of the way again. But then if you just move it to the side, for example, you walk into the room, you look up and you can't jump high enough to clear the, the next area. So you have to, it, it gives you this, I need to think about, okay, I just don't, I don't just want to push it out of the way. I need to place it strategically. So there's that kind of element of it. There's also a little bit of math involved because you have to think about uh, how many squares you're going to move it so that it places it specifically in the way okay. and those sorts of things. Makes sense. So you would recommend this ages six to, I know you said 10, but it, could it go a little higher or what, what are you thinking? Yeah, it definitely could because of the RPG elements of it where you just run around and have fun, um, you know, playing an RPG. The uh, the hacking stuff gets, it can get quite um, complicated. We haven't been all the way through it. So that's the other caveat. Um, the boys don't seem to mind to start over when one of their friends come through because they know all of the puzzles. So we've never actually seen all the way through to the end of this game yet. Oh, you know what? That's that's amazing. Now, I saw the second game in here, and I got to be honest, this one looks super tempting to me. Uh, Aqueducts. And I'm sure you could guess which screenshot you put in here. I'm really excited by. <laughs> so in Aqueducts, it's a, it's a voxel art style. Again, very bright, very colorful. This one is definitely a lot more program-centric in terms of teaching you specific skills. So what you do is you every level has an objective and you can run around and you can jump in the levels and you can fall off the edge and all the rest of that sort of stuff. But if you actually want to pass the level um, in the screenshot, what you have is these are, there's a floating Island in this level and there's a bridge on one side and a tube on the other side. And the objective for this level you're told is to try and help get water to your town. So the tube on one side uh, will connect to the other side to allow for the aqueduct to move from where you are to the town there's a bridge on the other side what happens is when you walk up to these they're they're really short and so they don't make the distance and you have to figure out how to do that when you interact with an object it actually pops up a coding window so in the screenshot i've i've selected the tube and there's a little coding window and it's got a comment that says changes the, the tube's length and then it has for you already tube.length equals and then you can choose the length. And what I like about this game is that you don't actually have to do any of the typing. It will do drop downs for you. So if you clicked on the, the space right after the equal sign, it'll drop down and give you a number of choices that you can do. And the difficulty in this game ramps up uh, quite significantly after a couple of levels. So it starts off being like, oh, you know, my, my four-year-old can do this, but, um, so I, I gave this to my right. six-year-old and he can do the first couple of levels, but then it gets complicated because you have to think about like, I need to, I need to make a right angle on this uh, tube or uh, one of my favorites to watch him come across is one of the levels has a waterfall and you walk up to the waterfall and you can't cross it because there's no bridge. And so there are, um, there's something under the water that you can just see poking out from the water. So when you interact with the water, you can change its form. So you can make it gaseous or you can make it a solid or you can make it a liquid. So it's it's all of these sort of- um, Interesting. So it incorporates like uh, basic earth sciences, states of, states of, you know, elements, right? Matter. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a, a really interesting 
it's a really interesting game that can go really deep. Uh, we've only gotten about five levels in because, like I said, the difficulty ramps up. Um, but why don't you tell us what exactly drew your attention to the screenshot? Yeah, I love the little pop-up screen where it's uh, tube.length equals one. Then that might sound silly, but uh, I've been doing kind of Caterpillar and various things with my, well, a couple of years ago we did that, various basic coding things with my son. And this is exactly how you how you kind of get them into it, right? You don't make the whole thing. Here's, you know, here's VS Code or here's Sublime Text. Godspeed. You give them <laughs> something where it's like, oh, well, you know, you want to make your dude faster. You can go here and be like player dot velocity or player dot speed, right? Yeah. So um, I think this game is definitely worth worth a look. It's one of those ones you'll probably, if there's no foundation already, you'll probably need to sit with your kid while they do yeah. this one, which is good, a good learning exercise, and it ties it ties right into uh, this is a little sideways, but my kid's starting to do something called Code Whiz, and they're very much into. Uh, like very light Minecraft modding via via like Java, basically. Uh, so it's really you know there's this whole area that didn't exist when when we were kids about just taking these more open games and being able to modify them uh, in a supported way, right? Not like cracking open the game genie, and, you know. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's uh, so this we never mentioned the platform, of course. I'm assuming Linux because it's on FlatHub. Anywhere else? Um, like I said, all of these games are open source. You can find them on GitHub. Um, and again, mostly it's just I didn't. I guess I failed as a as a guest here. I didn't go so far as to figure out how they are ported to the various other platforms. So I suppose that's bad. <laughs> you on did me. not fail. Just <laughs> always ask, right? You didn't yeah. fail. Um, so that's great. I think we should probably jump to. I would say maybe the most advanced one you have here, which is something I'm somewhat familiar with. Uh, and I think people in our audience will be Scratch. Can you just high level, what is Scratch? So Scratch is a way to introduce programming concepts to children in a visual way. So you have very easy to understand concepts, especially for, I would say, at least eight years old or older. So for example... Uh, one of the blocks you need all the time is when flag clip. So there's a, a flag and a stop button that control the animation or whatever is happening inside of your program. So you go and you search for this button that says when flag clicked and you drag it onto your palette. Um, and essentially, it it's a drag and drop way of doing programming with with really very little typing. There's mm. some times where you might have to put like, for example... I want it to turn 90 degrees, you would find the turn object by, and then you'd put 90 in there, for example. So there's very little typing, but it really works that the concepts of things like for loops and sending and, and receiving messages, uh, things of that nature. Interesting. So how... Okay, so you snap together the pieces, right? And then you have an animation screen. How deep can the, can the kids get into this? Like, what what's kind of the upper bounds of what they can actually create? Mm. Um, really, this is really quite flexible. So, we did a pong game. Uh, we're working on a game called Shoot the Monster, and this one is actually fairly complex in in terms of when you play it. So, 
there's a monster in the center of a screen and you have a spaceship and the spaceship rotates circularly around the monster to try and shoot it. Every level, what happens is you program it so the monster has an out, like an inner shield and then there are three or four levels of shields. And the way it works is that the shield is solid except for it's got an opening one place and they all rotate in different directions at different speeds. And so you have to try and get your shot in between all of the levels of the shield to hit the monster. And the monster fires back and can throw different types like bombs and shots at you and stuff like that. That's what we're working up to. I've seen a Mario game. I've actually played a Mario game written in Scratch that was was pretty well done. So you can do things like simulate gravity. You can um, essentially, if you can think of it, there's probably a chance that you can do it. Now, it's all going to be like a 2D side-scroller type or a top-down type because of the restriction of the graphics engine, right? Because it runs, you can run this in a web browser or you can run this, um, Scratch runs literally anywhere. It's open source, it runs in a web browser, you can download it for all of your operating systems, um, including Android and iOS if you want to do this on a tablet. Interesting. So this is really like they're coding their own thing up. It's visual, so you're not going to need a ton of knowledge, but you're definitely going to need to understand, obviously, basing, basic literacy, it looks like. And yeah, I could see how, okay, so it gives you the basic idea of like, you know, control of flow statements, things like that. Yeah. And what I like about this is you can find people that are doing video tutorials. Um, I've actually found that while you can find people doing it on YouTube and there are some quality stuff out there, I actually went and picked up a, a Udemy course for 15 bucks and he goes through, mm. he goes through Pong and we make a paint program. And then there's some, you know, I don't remember, know if you remember flappy birds from back in the day. Oh yeah. Oh so you yeah. Make, you make flappy birds and you make this, this shoot the monster thing. Um, and he provides art assets and like, one of the things is Scratch provides you like a pretty decent array of art assets to begin with. But when you're working through this, you don't want to sit down and like make a basketball or make the monster sprite or, or those sorts of things. You just want to focus on the coding. And so when you, when you buy that from Udemy, oftentimes the creator will actually have the art assets for you for the project you're going to do. And so that's kind of nice. That's, wow, that is really nice. All right, so let's uh, let's maybe take a turn towards the more fun and maybe less educational. Uh, what console games are you are you all playing right now? I noticed you put a couple in here. I think one of them in particular is interesting: uh, Mario SMB three and Mario Kart Wii. First of all, the Wii I still think one of the best Mario Kart versions. It is super fun. Um, the kids love it because of the motion controller and and. We, we, I've had a Wii for a very long time. So we built up kind of a, a small collection of the little accessories, including the, the wheels, like the, the steering wheels and stuff like that. So my youngest son really loves using the wheel because it feels like a real car. Um, nice. Yeah. It's, it's good fun. Um, they, we have it on a projector. And so it's, it just, it's great to play it on a huge screen. That's all I can say about that. Nice. Yeah. That's, I, so how, that's funny. You're, the projector thing how what's the advantage of playing on a projector uh well other than having it make your entire wall a screen i mean it that, makes yeah. it makes party games uh a lot better right because we can all sit on the couch and and 
spread out. And especially with games like Mario Kart, where it splits the screen into quadrants, it makes it so that you don't have to have like an 80 inch screen to have a really good experience as one of those four quadrants. I love it. So is there anything else before we wrap up that you would recommend for someone trying to get, uh, you know, themselves or their gaming age kids into gaming or gaming on Linux or just educational games as a whole? I think one of the pivotal things for us was letting the kids watch us. And you have to be a little bit careful with that. Um, but they watched us play Mario. And um, I threw this in the show docs. We're not really going to cover it too much, but they watched me play Mario and my wife will play Mario three on her deck and stuff like that. And we bought a, someone bought me a Mario chess set uh, because I'm a big Mario fan. It's nice. that nostalgia, you know, itch that I have. Yep. Um, and now my kids want to play chess because they recognize Mario and there's this board with all these characters. And so they want to do that. And so I'd say really enjoy, like showing that you enjoy what you do as opposed to trying to play serious Sam or something on insane mode and, and getting really upset and throwing your controller, probably not <laughs> a good way to encourage your kids to play so no games. dark souls, no <laughs> dark souls, huh? Yeah, okay. probably not. Yeah, no, actually, we have the same chess set, and it's it's been interesting. We started with the Mario and Luigi checker set, and we are in the process of graduating to chess. So, I didn't really, know there was a checkers. There is a checker set, and in fact, the, the packaging, I think it's the same company. It's very, very similar. Uh, but, yeah, yeah very... It, it, yeah, you're right. It, it's hard to maybe downplay the power of character branding, especially for the young kids, right? Yeah, can you see Minecraft? <laughs> yeah, oh, best thing Microsoft ever bought. Yeah, no um, kidding. <laughs> well, all right, Steve, where can folks go find you? And of course, we'll put no, uh, links in the notes for everything. So every week, I'm on the Ask Noah show as a co-host there. That's uh, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Central, um, although we release it for download as a podcast after the fact. So it actually goes out over terrestrial, old-fashioned radio. Um, so we prefer live call-ins if you're there. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at the Knicks Ovens. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm floating around random places. You'll see me writing uh, technical articles and stuff like that all over the place. So I'm easy to find. All right, great. And uh, yeah, you can find the rest of the JB shows uh, at jupiterbroadcasting.com, especially Coder Radio and the Ask Noah show are there. They're good. You should listen. And uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, for hopefully the love of God, I finished Midnight Suns by then. It was a <laughs> uh, love affair that has turned uh, not sour, but it's a long, it's longer than I thought. I experienced that when I played Skyrim for the first time. By the yeah. final time I got to the end, I was like, I just need this game to be over. Right. I have a queue and like folks at the Discord, which, by the way, if you're not on the Discord, you all should join the Discord. Uh, Steven's there. It's a fun place. Yeah, it's uh oh man, I I my capacity to actually complete games is being outstripped pretty quickly here. <laughs> well, so. I'll I'll cross my fingers for you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. You too.